Welcome to the Chi Alpha at UNC Chapel Hill podcast. This podcast is designed to help you grow through our three foundations, devoted disciples, deep friendships, and deliberate servants. We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Hello and welcome to the Chi Alpha at UNC podcast. My name is Seth and I'm joined today by Joe Newell. How's it going, Joe? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Doing all right, doing all right. Yeah. Hey, for the first time, we are coming live to you. We are on YouTube. Well, we're not. We're not live, but we're live right now in the moment. <laughs> um, but you may be watching this a little bit later. Yeah, it's a. It's a nice. Well, it's not. I don't know if it's nice. I'd say it's kind of a cool day. The weather's a bit mucky. Got my coffee here. So yeah. Um, yeah. So we're starting off a, um, a new episode. And what are we talking about today, Joe? Today we are talking about everybody's favorite subject, uh, Seth, singleness. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's not maybe not everybody's favorite subject, but yeah, singleness. Yeah, what do you what do you want to say about singleness today? Well, we're going to take a look in First Corinthians, where uh, the Apostle Paul is actually writing a letter to the Corinthian church that has all kinds of issues. We're not going to get into all the issues of the church in Corinth because uh, they are many and they are deep. Um, but in particular, he has some pretty strong words about singleness and singleness as a gift and how we can maximize our time as, as being single. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that sounds super exciting. Um, I know you've pulled up some uh, research. Yep. You, do you want to share some stats with us? Yeah, I thought a good place to, to start would be, hey, let's get just get some foundational data. Now, what's going on with singleness in America in particular right now? And uh, so I, I've been to the CDC site and, and census site and everything, but most of the stuff's coming off Pew uh, Research, their site. So... Uh, the interesting things, uh, one of the biggest things that came out of that that I saw was in 1960, 72% of, of, Mar- of American adults were married. That number as of 2016, which is the most recent complete data that we have, was only 50%. So it's a pretty wow. big a big shift away from uh, being married, at least for U.S. adults. Um, also in that data, it says that um, 31% of U- U.S. adults are single uh, meaning they're not not only not married, they're not not living with a partner, and they're not in a committed relationship of any kind. So that's a pretty significant number. We don't necessarily have uh, historical data to compare that against, but it, nonetheless, uh, a third is is a pretty significant chunk to say I'm not in a committed relationship of any kind. I'm not married, and I'm not even living with a, a partner. So. Um, when you break that down a little bit further, in particular for our audience, college students most of the time, uh, 18 to 29-year-olds, the number is is around 41% of okay. single adults that are not committed and not in a committed relationship, not married or um, not living with a partner. So big numbers. And then again, it's 65 plus, interesting enough, you see that number jump to 36%. So those are where the two biggest chunks are. Now you can look at 65 plus and go, wow, that makes sense, right? Between death and divorce rates and so forth, that number of being single might be might be a bit higher. And um, so in between, we kind of see people getting married between, let's say, age 30 and, and 65 is where the most number of married people fall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you dig even a little bit deeper, among single adults that are not looking for a committed relationship or casual dating, which is a big deal, that's 50%. Um, and uh, amongst 18 to 29-year-olds, it's a little less at about 37%. But 50% of uh, amongst single adults are not looking for committed relationships or even casual dating. So that, that, wow. that's really interesting number to me. 
Yeah, yeah, that that number in particular is, is really striking for me um, to know that essentially one in two people are not looking for a you know a committed um, dating relationship, and um, I'm sure that there are, are different factors as to why that might be the case. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, do you want to share maybe a little bit more why you feel like that might be um, a, a number like that or Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's obviously there's a lot of variables in there, right? You can't, and we can't cover them all because it's a multiplicity of things that that contribute to those numbers. And 50% of single adults that are not, let's say, attached to somebody are not looking. But um, I think a few things that stood out to me was one, we know now from the data that we have that adults in the U.S. are delaying getting married more so than any generation previously. And the last data we had would put men at about 29 and a half years of age is for, for their first marriage and women at about 27 and a half. And the data that is coming in pushes that even further out in the upcoming years. We'll see more of that released. And it may be more like men are 30 before they get married and women are more on the order of 28 or 29 in that range. So delaying, mar delaying marriage is certainly one of it. One of the reasons um, cohabitation does play a role in that in terms of um, not looking necessarily to be to get married, at least on that part of the equation. And then I think uh, one of the things we're seeing, and this is more anecdotal rather than data-driven, is um, there's a, kind of the avoidance of friction, right, in relationships. It's the idea of like, I don't know if I want to get into a relationship with someone that might be challenging or, or not what I want. And, and a lot of people think that, that I'm studying and, and following right now, think that might be because the Western lens of looking at relationship through the lens of happiness and personal fulfillment. Hmm. And when so when things get difficult or things might be difficult or, or with someone, we might try to avoid it as well. So Wow. Yeah. That's I I I definitely see that one as well. Just especially with culture these days of just the media that we consume and different things and how like, you know, if, if anything gets rough or tough, especially in like something like a relationship, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy to jettison quickly. Yeah. I think it, it's just the way the culture has gone as a whole. Right. I mean, we do that with all manner of things, not just relationships. It's like, Hey, if I don't enjoy this anymore, if I'm bored with this or it's uncomfortable, then I just switch. Right. You do that with your money. You do that with your social media. You do it. Uh, we're finding out more and more people doing with jobs even. It's just mm -hmm. like, hey, I've been here a year or two. This job's difficult. Now I'm going to move on to something that's not quite as uncomfortable, let's say, as what my current environment might be. So um, I also tried to dig a little deeper on, on like the why. Mm -hmm. um, what, what Pew calls single non-daters might not even be really looking at all to, for relationships. And that was pretty interesting, in particular for the age bracket. They, this time they put it in the age bracket of like 18 to 49. Okay. So it's a little broader, but it uh, it does cover you know most what you would consider dating <laughs> adults for the most part uh, or non dating in this particular case. And here's the three big reasons that respondents gave uh, for not even looking to date or be in a relationship. Sixty one percent said they had higher priorities than to be in a relationship. Did they say what those higher priorities were? Oh, well, we're gonna answer that one in just a second too. Okay. Yep. Forty percent said they just like being single. Okay. And, and I, I can understand some of that, right? We'll talk about a little bit more why that might be in a second. But, and then 20%, so they're just too busy. Okay. They got too much going on to have somebody else, you know, I guess, complicating their lives or, or whatnot. So. so what do you see people putting first then? Um, there's certainly a lot of data out there right now on career. 
Okay. And also that, that's coupled with education. And um, a lot of, in particular, young adults, let's say millennials and now Gen Z pushing into the marketplace as well, uh, vocation, career, establishing yourself in those types of things becomes the higher priority than relationships. And there is some really good data that's driving some of this in terms of education as well. There's really good information out there now that if you are, um, if you have a four-year degree or higher, uh, you're more likely to to not want to be in in a, in a relationship, or at least put it off till much later because you want to establish yourself further sure. uh, vocationally. And uh, and under a four-year degree, those those trends over historically, according to Pew, used to track not necessarily parallel, but fairly close to each other in terms of hey, I've got less than a four-year degree, and I got a four-year degree or higher. Mm-hmm. But uh, increasingly, that those lines are diverging now. Okay. And so, the more education you have, maybe the higher priority your career becomes over relationships. So that's a big one. Okay. We also know about differences in selectiveness, um, especially with the rise of uh, of uh, dating apps and those types of things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more information out there in terms of how men and women uh, view the opposite. And we know both biologically, if you, if you take hold of the biological evolutionary theories about women being more selective than men, but if you just take things like Tinder and those types of things, you find that there's vast discrepancies between when women find men attractive and, women, and men find women attractive. And women are much less likely to select men. And so being picky, I guess, is, is, is part of the puzzle. It's not the only thing, obviously. And then, of course, the other big one is finances. Uh, okay. We've come through recessions and, and, and a lot of things going on. School loan debt's obviously a huge issue for, for those that would be considered young adults out there right now. And a lot of people want to get their finances in order before uh, getting into a serious relationship with someone. So those are some of the things. We also did an a, a informal survey with some of our alums as well as our current students and asked this question just to see where they were at on as we head into what Paul had to say, and that is... Is being single um, a blessing, a burden, or some combination of both of those things, right? right? Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly, especially amongst our alumni, there was some difference, but overwhelmingly amongst our alumni, the clear winner was both. Okay. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's a blessing and a burden. Um, and then blessing was kind of like the second, the second choice. Burden really was kind of down the line. Might be a uniquely Christian perspective on things, but, um, but I think it's pretty accurate as a whole how young adults might, or adults in general, might be seen. I guess it depends on what day, what kind of day you're having. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> How's my week going? Am I going into Valentine's Day without a date? I don't know, you know. Um, but all these things are paying a picture that we are both delaying committed relationships and valuing them, at least prioritizing them, let's say, differently than, than we have in the past to the point that... Um, you know, if you say the divorce rates stayed relatively static over the last number of decades, then where's the, why is it? And these are some of the factors that are playing into the big difference between why are people staying single? Right. Or why are they not valuing committed relationships like they used to? Now, the Apostle Paul would say, cool, you know, make the most of it in a sense. And that's what we're going to look at, exactly. look at today. So um, we're going to spend, uh, just look at a few passages here from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, where Paul, again, is writing a a letter to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth has got a whole range of issues going on. But we're going to focus on what he has in particular to say about singleness and marriage. Um, So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. 
And as you read through the rest of the passages, you realize in context, he's talking about being single, right? I wish that you were single as I am. Um, now maybe that's not what everybody wishes for. I don't sure, know. Yeah. Um, but he goes on to say, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And so um, one thing to keep in mind here in my, in my research, I hadn't really thought about this previously. We always just think of the Apostle Paul as being single, right? He's this traveling missionary that's establishing the new church in the world. But when you, when you look back that he was a member of the Sanhedrin before his conversion on the Damascus Road, you find that he was likely married. It was almost impossible, if not impossible, to be a member of the Sanhedrin without being married. I mean, that was part and parcel of that deal. Now, the Bible is completely silent on whether he was or whether he wasn't uh, married, so there's nothing there for us to garner from that. But the likelihood of him being married was high. Now, since the Bible's silent on it, we have no idea what happened with his wife, if he had a wife, um, whether they got divorced or she passed away of some other thing. Certainly people died young at that time. Um, but in any case, at this point of his writing, he's writing as a single person, but probably with the perspective of both, being married and single. And one other thing I think we ought to just keep in mind, and it's, it's going to sound really silly and simple, I think we tend to look at our singleness and just zero down on that when we're single, right? That, um, that man, it's about my happiness, my fulfillment, and we're just locked in on us. But you might forget that every person that's ever been on the planet has been single, Right. And it's fair to say, well, maybe 20 years ago being single was different than it is today. But at the same time, there's underlying things, threads that continue from one generation to the next. Everybody has the experience of being single in their lives. So um, I, I just want to plant those seeds with you. What's interesting about that verse 7 to me, too, is that Paul is actually, in some ways, equalizing or equally valuing, let's say, being in a season of singleness and being, in a, in being married which at the time he wrote it was really a radical idea. I mean, being single was not a positive thing at that time. And it was an extremely negative thing, especially if you got to a little bit older age, let's say, and you were still not married. That was very viewed very negatively. And Paul's doing quite the opposite. He's saying, man, I wish you were single like I was. You know, there's, there's great, some great things to being single. And, and then, so that's what he's really kind of kicking this off with by a little bit of shock value, if you will. But, um, but then he's also kind of, as we read these next few verses, he's kind of saying, hey, yes, maximize your singleness, but do it with the kingdom in mind. Do it in particular with the urgency of the approaching fullness of the kingdom. Kind of the idea uh, we always talk about of uh, the kingdom is now and not yet, right? right? So we are walking in uh, a greater expression of the kingdom of God now with Jesus having come and, and, and restored us and so forth. But we're also waiting on that moment when Jesus comes back for the complete fulfillment of all things. And so Paul's saying with that in mind, let's, let's, let's live our lives more fully. So then you jump down to like verses 29 30 through 35 there. He goes on to say, this is what I mean, by the way. So he kind of shocks you up front with it. Hey, it's good to be single. He's like, this is what I mean by that. So he says, this is what I mean. Brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. Um, now, we all understand short as limited amount of time, right? Short comes from the idea of a, of a sailing vessel coming home, and they're shortening the sails. They're bringing the sails in. They're reining them in as you kind of coast into your harbor. So short means not only do I have a limited amount of time, I'm actually arriving at my destination quickly, soon. 
So he's, he's, that's the context of what he's saying there. When, hey, it's, it's grown very short. We're, almost, we're coming into our destination, so live your life and, and with some urgency there too. So he said, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who have mourned as though they were not mourning. Um, and then I skip down to uh, the end of verse 31. He says, for the present time, present form of this world is passing away. Now, of course, Paul's not advocating neglect your spouse or, right. or, or you know, don't live in the world fully. He's not saying that at all. But he's, I, I think he's, he's stressing that there are bigger purposes afoot, right? That we approach life rather not as a consumer, like what do I get out of it, right? Again, that whole I'm just pursuing relationships and life through my happiness, you know, focus and priority and my self-fulfillment only. He's saying, whoa, this is not the challenge that Jesus has laid down for us. Let's not approach life as a consumer, but rather um, as a purpose-driven carrier of light, let's say, right? Kind of stirred daily by the urgency of the approaching kingdom. So don't live it as just your, you know, what can I get out of it right now today only? He's like, no, live, maximize your singleness within the scope of God's kingdom is, is now and not yet, but it's very close to being fulfilled at the same time. And then you jump down to uh, verse 32. I'm just going to do verse 32 in a part of 35 uh, in chapter 7, where he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Now, this might be a poor translation, the word anxieties, like because when we talk about anxiety today, you know, it's always in scope of mental health. Very real thing. Anxiety is a very real issue. But this word is probably more on the lines of like, hey, you're going to, I want you to be free from like lots of extra daily concerns, right? All these things that are going to demand your attention. Um, he says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, for example. Because when you get married, you know, you've got certain obligations to one another. If you have kids, then it stacks on to that too. And so your demands on your attention, your focus, and your energies and time get much greater and much more diversified as you enter into a committed relationship with someone. And then at the end of verse 35, he says, for what reason? To promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So um, he's, he's like, hey, take your time, your season of singleness that everybody goes through and use it to, to, to have a proper perspective and to be devoted fully to what the Lord wants you to be and do. Yeah, um, that, that last phrase, that undivided devotion, how do we see that partnering with the, having the potential for relationships? Like, is that possible? And if so, like, how do you see that working out? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least initially here default to uh, Pastor Ben Stewart. He does some talks on singleness and things like that. I thought he, he put it good this way. He says, God ordains a season of singleness for everyone because we need to first get right our relationship with Jesus before we can get our uh, right our relationship with someone else. Oh, okay. um, you know, if you go back to the Tozer quote about, hey, what you think about God, it, you know, it shapes mm -hmm. just about everything of your life, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's saying you have, while you're single, work on your relationship with God, because that will make much better your relationship with a with a person, you know, in marriage down the road, um, because you've you've fortified yourself, you've matured, you've grown, you've, you've become self-aware, and you've walked hopefully more fully in your identity as a follower of Jesus before you get to that point of committing yourself to someone. So okay. um, it'll make that relationship a lot better. So in, in a nutshell, we can focus on the things that matter, um, who we are in God, 
who we were designed to be and what we were designed to do when we're single. We can really put a lot more energy and focus into those things. Um, and that becomes really important when we look at future relationships or the potential for those. You know, the advantages, of course, are I've got freedom, I've got time, um, I'm less distracted. You know, um, I've got kids at home now, they're getting a little bit older, you know how it goes, but I got yeah. people that ask me all the time on campus, they're like, hey, have you seen this show? Have you watched, how far along are you in this series? And I'm like, look, you know, I got, I got about an hour or so of discretionary time here. Right. Um, I don't know how much discretionary time you have, but it's probably more than I have as a married person with kids. So, um, so there is a lot more uh, time to be undistracted we just have to be careful not to fill it up with things that aren't beneficial and edifying to us in that process. And, uh, and I think also we have, to, we have to be careful to make sure that we don't discard the idea that God can fulfill us in the pursuit of someone else fulfilling us as well. I think that's um, um, really challenging. And in the Bible, of course, it's, it's pretty radical what Jesus says to everybody. It's like, Hey, pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, deny yourself in all these various ways so that you can be devoted to the things that matter, in this particular case, him, um, but also in the course of your life. So it's it's a lot better to go through as much of the maturation process in following Jesus and in your life, for that matter, as you're single as you can, um, because that process it, it, uh, determines your identity but it also is that, 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 that kind of uh, refining process we all go through where we're kind of, in a sense, laying down or killing off the parts that are really not worthy of who we should be so that when we get into a, a committed, lifelong relationship, we've already dealt with as many of those areas of our lives as we possibly can rather than bringing them in as, as kind of broken a part of our broken vessel, so to speak. So, um, so getting rid of the parts in our, in our lives while we're single, still single, they're not worthy of Him. Um, so that when we enter into a relationship with somebody, we're more of the person that God made us to be. So um, we're, I'm going to wrap it up here just with two things. One is a, is a quote from Tim Keller. I don't know if you read Tim Keller or not or, or watch his videos. Uh, he's pastor of Redeemer Church in, in New York. But um, he says, practice what it means to be in a family while you're still single. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think sometimes we take that for granted that that... We think of following Jesus in, in a bit of a bubble or we just go to a church that we attend. But in reality, you become part of a much bigger spiritual family, right? As a single, you're already a member of that ultimate family if you're following Jesus. So he's saying, act like it. Act like you're part of this bigger family. Um, and even though, like for me and you, we have our own little nuclear family, that's actually a subset of the broader spiritual family that we have in Christ. So... Um, when I look at what Paul's saying here, maximize your singleness and all that, I would kind of sum it up maybe this way. Um, especially while we're single, let's practice being a sister or brother, uh, a son or daughter of the Most High King. We need to get that part right in light of the approaching fulfillment of the kingdom, in light of the kingdom right now. Um, it's it's the time of our lives when we have the most time, energy, flexibility, and potential, really, for becoming who God wants us to be. Now, that doesn't mean as you're older you can't develop further and more, depending on when you start your journey with Christ. But, um, but when we're single and we're potentially younger in that framework, too, there's a lot more uh, potential there for us to grow and mature in that. So I guess Paul's saying in a lot of ways, be single with with the now and not yet kingdom of God daily and urgently refining you 
into the person that God not only wants in relationship with himself, right? Because that's what you're really formulating first and foremost, but that will be the type of person that someone would want in a future relationship as well. Yeah, that's very good. Um, thanks for sharing all that. Just to add one little note um, off your off your Keller quote that you shared, mm-hmm. I think also that we as as people who are in committed relationships, those who are are married, um, also have a responsibility to look out for the single people yeah. in the church. Um, most of the time, those people are, are sometimes just lonely and just need um, need to be around married people and need to be around those who are in steady relationships and. I think, I think the um, the problem can be that the married couples get, only go and hang out with other married couples right. because yeah. they're in a, a certain uh, season of life and a stage of life, and yeah. the singles are left to hopefully find other singles. Right. So I think as a responsibility for the married couples that are in places like church to look out for singles and even just invite them to lunch after a service. Yeah, I think that's right on. Um, I think that's right on the money. I think you see that too, even in um, generation to generation, let's say, right? We, I think anymore, take for granted the even the wisdom or the experiences of our elders or grandparents or whoever they might be, that there might be some great value in us when we're younger, but it, it applies in the same it function anyway to being a single and being with married people. Uh, I know Michelle and I would absolutely be thrilled to have more single people come and spend time with us as well. Not that we always have the answers, but um, but man, there's, there's something to be gleaned um, by being together. That's good. Yeah, I think that's a great place to stop. Um, uh, the conversation is just beginning. Uh, feel free to subscribe to our podcast, and now you can subscribe on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram as well, UNC Chi Alpha. Um, and next time we will be talking about dating. So we'll see you then. And you got a guest speaker next time. Guest speaker. Mystery. We won't reveal who it is yet. <laughs> there you go. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at www.xa-unc.com.